As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from the Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I'm excited because today I am joined by not one, but two outstanding former Premier League strikers, Mr. James Scowcroft, coming through us through the magic of telephony from someplace deep in wherever Bury St. Edmunds is, and Tony Cascarino right here in the studio in living color, and with them is Julian Lawrence. Coming up will be talking a little bit of Olympics because kind of these first two weeks of the Premier League season were a little bit dull, so we need to digress into that. Plus, of course, the great Matthew Side, columnist of the year, wrote about this issue as well. But first, we're going to start with the actual football, starting all the way back on Friday. I don't even cast your mind back that far to Manchester United and Southampton. Scoey, I think we can out you as a United fan since you've probably outed yourself by uh, by writing columns and you actually write them yourself. You don't have a ghostwriter in the uh, United We Stand fanzine under the legendary Andy Mitten. So let's start with you. So much hype, Pogba's debut. What were you thinking when he miscontrolled that first ball? Um, I was thinking the whole world will be laughing now and it'll be the, the ABU, anyone but United group uh, ganging up. But I actually thought he had a good debut. Showed glimpses of what he's all about. Didn't think it was a great, strong Southampton side. Uh, the test will come soon. Uh, the test will come in two weeks' time when we've got Man City, really. That, that will be the big acid test for Jose Mourinho and Pogba and co. Cass, what's wrong with Scully? I thought he'd be. I, I even. I'm not a United fan. I got excited seeing this. The, the 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 swagger, the arrogance. I mean, when the ball got to Pogba, it looked like he wanted to do things. It looked like he'd been there a long time. Maybe because in some ways he uh, he has. You have Ibrahimovic. They're they're in their face. Maybe some things weren't perfect. But it reached a level of hype and excitement, which, frankly, I hadn't seen in many, many years. One thing that stood out for me f- from him was the the run at the end of the game, where he ends up drilling it past the post that he started on the edge of his box. You think he was unfit, by the way, huh? Well, and he could only last he, sixty minutes. <laughs> he was in exceptional condition. Um, his driving running from midfield was something of United had been missing for a good number of years. We could name loads of midfielders from Robson to Keane that could do that. I thought he did it brilliantly. I thought his power and his aerial ability is second to none. Yeah, he's six foot three, but he's got a hell of a leap. And as the game went on, he grew. He, Interesting you say that, actually, because I, I just want to make a little thing here, because obviously, handing ability is something that you know about. Mm. When I had a chance to spend time with, with Pogba, he said on more than one occasion, in fact, both times I, I interviewed him, he said, you know what? Like, I really need to improve my heading. It's so frustrating that I can jump high mm, can. and I'm tall and I'm strong. But I don't head the ball well, and he said, "This is my this is my weakness." Do you see anything in the way he? And it's interesting because you pointed it out that you know. Yeah. Do you see something in the way he jumps that 
maybe he could improve? Well, when he scored against Iceland in the Euros, his leap was amazing. Mm. You know, he's got up to a very high... I don't think he knows how to do what Slatan did, a powerful header. You know where Slatan's right. attacked the ball and he's directed it into the bottom corner and give the goalkeeper no chance. That's a particular type. And James will know what I'm talking about. Typical type of heading the ball, knowing how to do that. I was strong at that. I could pick a spot, get power from distance... A lot of it is absolute perfect timing. I think he jumps and it's a bit if it's like he's not all in control of all his faculties where as he jumps, he's got to learn to get his neck and his shoulders and his body in a position to get the power behind so the ball. So he deflects perhaps yeah. more than redirects. He, more, he, the, the, he doesn't, I think that's the word. His head in his sort of, it will come off his head more than him just using his, his power that he can create. experience, Cass, down, down to some of it is experience. He's still quite a young lad. There's not, there's not many young players that are technically very, very good yeah, it's something yeah. that they develop. You know, I think I, I, I don't know Slatter could do that at 22, 23, well, I, maybe. Yeah, I'd, I'd learnt how to head the ball better. I, I must admit, of days and days and weeks and over years of training and many, many crossing and watching other people. I mean, Teddy Sheridan was exceptional in the air for someone who could direct headers and power. And just, and just, just younger, younger uh, listeners. Cass played with young Teddy Sheringham. Teddy <laughs> Sheringham wasn't always old. He was actually young at yeah, one point. Yeah, he was young. And he was very young. too. Yeah, but he was one of the, the very you know sh- strong headers of the ball. But I do think Pogba can become better in that area because I've seen him do leaps that you just cannot stop. A defender, even a six foot three centre uh, centre half, will find it difficult to handle him when it's in a certain area. It, now it's about doing what Slatan can do is burying it and finding enough power in the direction of the cross. Julian. I presume you're not a United fan either. Uh, <laughs> did you feel that same tingle of excitement? Oh, I did. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. Despite James Scowcroft not sounding so excited just now, I think every United fan should be. Not just by Pogba, but by Zlatan, mm. by what they, they, they're doing right now at the club. But Pogba, he's 23. If you think about it, really, he could be there for the next 10 years, easily. He could win everything with that club. Uh, Pogba's a great side in Julian. No, no, no. Uh, I know, but, fee. Oh, I, no, I no, 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 it's not fun. that. I was, just, I was just having a a little joke at you because you didn't sound that excited about about his, his debut but I just think he's great he's great for United he's the player he needed he's great for him because it's a place that he's always loved it's, it's interesting because he left and didn't really want to leave but he felt he had to go four years ago he always thought I would come back one day but last summer for example where United were already you know thinking about it looking into it he was not so sure I think this was the right time for him to go he learned a lot under Conte and Allegri as well but Mourinho is the perfect manager now for him to go a step higher as well in his abilities and in his career I think Scully uh, do you want to revisit your, 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 your... <laughs> I, mean, so I, 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 I am curious though because you know I, one of the great things about having you on is that you offer an ex-pro's perspective you offer you know the, the perspective of, of, of a student of the game who spends a lot of time thinking about it a coach's perspective but also a fan's perspective yeah and he, the, the reason the reason is gab i've sat there and i've been here in the last two or three years i've been at old trafford when falcao di maria like, oh god these are amazing what they're going to set old trafford alight in the next five six years and it's just all gone flat so you know come on bournemouth away southampton at home let, let's you know got man city coming up we've got, got some good games coming up in in september but did you notice I mean, other than, I mean, we can debate Vakao, Di Maria, whatever, but it seemed to me like people talk about the swagger, and I don't normally like talking about intangibles because I think it's often a load of BS, like motivation and stuff like that. But in this case, it seemed obvious to me that there was there was an edge and a confidence to the team that I hadn't seen in a long time before, certainly not when they were sort of passing the ball sideways or, or belting it into space for Martial. 
I, did 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 you see that or or no, am no, I no, tricking myself? Definitely, there's a there's a swag about there's an arrogance. Manchester United have had a, a a big arrogance about them in the last twenty years that the other clubs and supporters have absolutely detested, and they've lost that under Moyes and, and Van Gaal. And Mourinho's a perfect person. People can't stand Mourinho, but if he's in your camp, you know you you can't help but but like the way he's, he's self belief and the, the way he marches up and down the touchline. And people like Ibrahimovic, Pogba, even even for a lad of twenty three just believes he's as good as anyone in the world, and, and, he, and he is. And I think that will then kick Rooney on, the other people. I'd like to see Rashford get a little bit more of a look in at the moment than what he has, because I think he's got a, a lot to offer the team. Definitely they've gone up a gear, but I've, I've seen this before in the last couple of years. I've seen it under Van Gaal, both seasons under Van Gaal, where you think, you know, gosh, Weinsteiger, I've seen him come on and get a standing ovation. Well, you know, what a player he is. 12 months later, he can't even get in a 25 Di Maria, Falcao, I've seen all these people in the last three years and it's all gone flat. So you can see where I'm coming from. Cass, you alluded to this before, Pogba's position on the pitch. At Juventus, he normally played, they normally played a midfield three, whether it was a 4-3-1, whether it was a diamond or a 3-5-2. He played on the left usually of the three and he generally had a guy behind him and sometimes it was just, you know, Pirlo with his tactical fouling, but generally it was somebody you know who could do the the, the defensive work, who had the personality. At United, it's looking like a four-two-three-one. He's playing in the two. Uh, he played alongside Fellaini, which probably wouldn't have been my choice. Is this potentially an issue in the sense that if you play alongside somebody who maybe isn't good enough or or, or isn't good enough defensively, that it might take something? out of his game and, and a little bit like we saw perhaps in the latter stages of the of the Euros? Pogba's got attributes of incredible power to get forward, to drive forward. And you have to give him the ability to do that. You, so anybody that's with him is going to have to be a little bit more conservative by the way they play. Because you can't have a guy that can run like him and go over 30, 40 yard distances very quickly. I mean, that, like I said, the run he made at the end of the game was at the end of the game. And also he's made it over a 40, 50 yard per, uh, area. Which was no one was getting near him. He well, was he has like really a, long legs, so it's easy for him. He just well, takes two steps. And it's long been, legs, but yeah. I tell you what, but it's devastating when he does. Remember it. Ian Ormond Droid used to do that too. Yeah. Um, but G- G- with, his his position is pivotal okay. to Manchester United being successful because right. they so, haven't had that. With that in mind, I look at the the potential people to play alongside him. There's Michael Carrick, who who obviously has no trouble sitting and doesn't like to go on long bursting runs forward for obvious reasons, but. Then again, Carrick's not going to play every game uh, at his age. And uh, there's Ander Herrera. In my opinion, that's not really his game. He's certainly much more of an up-and-down midfielder. When he played there under uh, under Van Hal, he wasn't great. There's Marlon Fellaini, who, again, I see more as a sort of an attacking midfielder, spoiler type, even though he's got the size and whatever. I'm not sure about his lateral mobility. Schneiderlin maybe comes closest, but he's not had the best of times there. I agree with both of you. I think the, the issue now... For Mourinho, we'll have to find the balance of the team with Pogba in because it's very easy with him if he plays in the two, whether he's going to, even even without thinking about it, sit too deep because he, he knows that if he goes forward too much, then the team will be unbalanced and then at the back, they'll be too exposed. And that's what he did with France, for example. So he was reluctant to go forward too much because he was scared that he would, he would leave the team exposed behind him, which means that offensively he was not bringing much, and defensively, well, he was actually too deep and there was no use to, for him there. Why did Duchamp do that, by the way? I, and, and, and did he get stick for it? Because I, I thought it was 
terrible what he did. I just thought it was a bad, bad decision. Because he wanted to play Griezmann centrally. And the only way to play Griezmann centrally was to go from the to a 4-4-2 really with Giroud and Griezmann up front and then Payet on one side. So suck it up and drop Matuidi and play somebody else next to Pogba. I, I thought I thought Conte should have started That's both I mean. the semi-final and the final with Pogba. If you wanted to play 4-4-2 with Pogba in the two mm. then you could have played Matuidi with him. But does, it, does it not ultimately it's, it's who you're playing against if you're playing Burnley at home and you're playing Liverpool away how you play in the formation is going to be different than what you ask Pogba to do. You're not going to get ask Pogba to sit when you're playing Burnley at home, are you? Or That's true. To Burnley. But you need to get him used to doing something different and him used to play with someone. You can't just change and have one day with Carrick and one match with Herrera, one match with Fellaini, one match with Schnellen. I think was key for him and that's why he was so good at Juve because when he played with Pirlo and Vidal, they, they, they were so used to play with each other. Then when he played with Marquisio and Vidal, he, was so, he, he needs to be with someone he knows to play well, I think. And if you keep changing either the formation or and that's what we saw at the Euros, keep changing the formation and the, the there'd be games where he's completely lost because he's not really sure what he has to do, like in the final, for example. But he needs, I think, some stability, both tactically and with whom he's playing, to be at his best. Do you think that also, because Payet played on the left as well, and he generally liked to come inside, didn't he, for France? So there was no area for Pogba to really get into because he was more left-sided than central. When he played in the two, Matuidi played on the left because he's left-footed mm. and Pogba on the right, which, again, the right-hand side is, no. is good for him, but not so good as a left. And, no. you know, he said it in the interview with Thierry Henry before the game on Friday, saying, like, my my favourite position is when we play three in midfield and I play on the left-hand side because, you know, that's where I feel I've got the most freedom and I'm the most comfortable. But, He's happy mm. to play anywhere, but that's the key thing for Mourinho is to find the best way to use him and to keep the team balanced. Scoey, you were a tall striker who's good with his feet. Ibrahimovic is a tall striker who's good with his feet. Did you expect him to have such a to to, to have the impact he did? And, and and do you think maybe United run into a problem unless he does play every game? They've got a problem. It's not a problem if he's if he's playing every week and scoring goals, is it? It's no, no. I mean, do they become too dependent on Ibrahimovic? Because the guy who replaces Ibrahimovic, whoever it is, is going to be nothing like Ibra because there's nobody like Ibra. No, it's not. But I think if you, for example, put a Rashford down the middle, I think he's got pace and can stretch teams more than Ibrahimovic can be. So I think. But then, well, the, but my point is, then the rest of the team has to change the way, change the way they play. In what way? Give me an example. I don't understand. Okay, so Ibrahimovic is going to is 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 is, is going to come short. Ibrahimovic is going to use his is going to use his body. Ibrahimovic is going to, you know, he, he, he's going to do sort of tricks and flicks, well, I, I which Rashford think, is probably not going to do. Coming short and using your body in a, a very, very congested midfield defensive area, it's a breath of fresh air for someone to come and stretch their legs and run in behind. Yeah, you know, Manchester United have got 60 games to play this season. Uh, I, I would have think if he plays 32, 33 games, he's done very well. So, you know, I, I would think that you know Rashford was devastating at the end of the season, absolutely devastating, and had an impact that. You know, as good as what Ibrahimovic would have this season. When you talk about Southampton, um, we've touched upon this before about whether they can, you know, sort of the miracle that renews itself every year just because the club is so darn good and it doesn't matter who the manager is. What do you make, though, of what they did this summer? I, th- I think it's not finished. They're working hard to um, to get a few more players, um, which which I think they need. I really think they need. But it's a process. You know, it's a new manager. It won't. It There's won't... a couple of weeks left to go. Normally, they got their business done done 
them pretty early. Yeah, true. If they've, they've got this font situation as well, yeah. Van Dijk's been linked with other clubs. I'm not sure they let anyone go now, but oh, they will okay. definitely sign a few players. I expect maybe two or three players, a few coming from Ligue 1, I think, because that's what Pirelli knows mm. as well. It's, it's harder, though, when you change but managers as well. It's Les Reed who has all the decisions. So yeah. He's the guy who makes the big decisions on recruitment at, at Southampton. It's not Claude Pirelli. Oh, he might yeah, influence yeah. and give yeah. his opinion, but it will be Les Reed. Is this, like, yeah, just as an aside, Pirelli. most people, other than sort of nerdy types and, and people in football, know Les Reed as the weirdo who managed Charlton that was terrible, right? <laughs> they ignore the fact that he worked for the FA for a long time mm. and that he is, as you said, he is one of the driving forces behind mm. the, 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 the incredible events at Southampton the last couple of years. Yeah, great signings. He's made some great signings. Yeah. Are we in the media a little bit complicit in the sort of the enduring stupidity and ignorance that, that, that besets the national game that we never talk about? Les Reed. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about him hmm. now, but it's always like, oh, there's 12 signings and, you know, are they going to back Kuman and all this absolute nonsense and tribe. Oh, Kuman's had some good signings. It's all nonsense, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's, it's, well, all, it's, it's, it's Les Reed, it's Ralph Kruger, it's the, the organization yeah. that they had before. We there is such a thing as a good, as a well run club. Yeah. And it just does my head in when I go and I see, you know, one more, one more fool yakking away, talking as if, as if like the manager decides every single thing at every single club. Mm. And if you want to make a club better, you just need to replace the manager yeah. or bring in another manager, bring in his people. So you with bringing, it's just mm. stupid, right? Well, it's now quite common, commonly known that the most important football person at the football club is probably the recruitment guy now. That has become that in football. And Les Reed is that at Southampton, like you said. Especially when at a club that recruits well, the way Southampton Yeah, and they, they have. I think what they've... One of Les's biggest problems, or Southampton's biggest problems, is that when you keep selling players, other players will want to go as well. Right. You know, Van Dyke will probably want to go. It'll be him next year. And you, their mates are leaving. They get their heads turned. They go to bigger clubs, bigger contracts. You know, James has been there at football clubs, and it happens. And I was at Millwall, and that's a long time ago. But when one leaves, you, there's normally a, a train that follows of players who have done well go also. We're moving on to the edge of the M25 and talking Watford and Chelsea. Julian, Watford dominated this game. I don't know if it was like the, you know, Walter, Walter Mazzari's like uber defensiveness um, <laughs> or, or, or his tactical prowess, but I thought they had Chelsea tied up in knots. Yeah. And nothing worked for them for, for a good 70, 75 minutes. I thought they were good on in the challenges, the duels, they won the second ball, they were, the, the movement was good. I thought they were well organized. It worked. I think that formation three at the back works well for them worked well for them you know for, for 75 minutes 70 minutes I think then I was a bit disappointed Mazzari didn't react to contest changes I thought maybe that's where they lost the game uh, and maybe he should have changed a few things when, when they went two up front and when Bachari looked good and I agree with Cass in his column this morning that Bachari and Costa looked very good together again and I think Mazzari should have maybe done something, but I thought it was very promising for Welford. They didn't deserve to lose at all. I think a draw probably would have been a fair result. But once again, you see the Conte mentality. And, and he, he was doing it at Juventus, game after game after game, scoring late and winning games. And you think that there's no way he can do that in the Premier League because we all have those stereotypes about the Premier League. It's too hard, it's, there's too much intensity, the this and that. Wall over the Premier League, yeah. And two games, twice he does it in the last minute where they get a winner. It's incredible. And, and this just shows you how important the, 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 the character of a manager is in his dressing room. And, the, and we know a lot of managers who, who don't have the same passion as Conte, for example. And, and, and you, would, you would tell because their team don't score in the last minute. 
Are you buying this? Is it really the passion of the manager that causes you to score in the last minute, or or is it just having better players oh, in the, the opposition? Oh, well, I'm passion, I mean, oh. he's winning mentality. You know. Yeah, I, I'm buying it that you have managers, and James is a Man United fan, and he'd have seen it very often with Sir Alex that you have a manager that focuses on winning games, and it was quite clear his well, wait, What does that mean? Do other managers well, focus on no, losing? No, well, there are, but yeah, there are managers <laughs> who don't focus on winning a game because I have to say David Moyes at Sunderland when he takes Defoe off against Man City after he's just scored to try and hang on to a game. Well, there are managers that do that, but but it's different. He's, David Moyes is managing. Win the game. You, I mean, you, you, when you manage Sunderland, you might operate in a, in a different way because you need points than, and you don't have better players than the opposition. I don't and know you, if that's... You, do, you don't have better players, but if you're going to give the initiative to the opposition, you're going to create sometimes your own problem. What Conte did, and I, I was at the home game against West Ham, first half they were exactly the same. They struggled against West Ham. They didn't look good at all, Chelsea. Then he made... The, well, he's obviously instructed the fullbacks to push further forward because they were way too deep in the opening game. They started to cause problems. And then Chelsea gradually got the better of West Ham and ended up winning it OK late on. But the it was quite clear that his intention was to be more forward-thinking. Now, against Watford, they were second-best in every department. So you can't even say fullback, centre-offs, whoever, they were second-best. So then he sends on three subs. Now, Batshuayi goes alongside Costa. They look completely different. Fabregas manages to get on the ball. Great pass. Yeah, Great pass. so... And Moses ma- was good the too. The manager has done that, Gab. Okay. You can't deny that no, his, but his intention was to, to hang on to the game. It was Scotty, when, when you see this, when you see a manager get outplayed for the majority of the game, and then he makes three substitutions, and they all play well, and they win, is the manager clever for making the substitutions, or did he actually get it wrong for, for ending up in that position in the first place, I think. Look, if, if you're looking at a Chelsea, the, the substitutions he's made, it's it strength and depth, isn't it? When you can come on and improve a game, maybe Sunderland don't have the resources where they can bring on players that will literally change the game. You know, maybe one or two, but you know, Chelsea have got that in depth. Manchester United have got it, where you can bring players on that will change the game. They'll they'll be positive players. I, I, I agree with Cash. Really, I think body language on the, the sidelines is massive. I think the way he, he, he Stomps up and down. Ferguson was exactly the same. How you can drive your team on in the last 10 minutes like Van Gaal did by sitting on the bench with your arms crossed just doesn't happen. <laughs> I do a comeback to find out. He does have one issue. Well, he's got several issues. One is obviously he still needs to, I think he still would like to bring in another defender because he's not 100% sold on when Zuma's back and Terry and Cahill, you know, are what they are. One in terms of age and, you know, the other one's Gary Cahill, who's, 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 who's a good defender, but is what he is. And we'll see if that happens. But I think the other thing he feels he needs to do is have a bit of the train is now approaching junction at platform passengers airport please stay on board next stop road station ios helps you control which apps you share your exact location with there's more to iphone how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The word and get inside Diego Costa's head. Mm. Because obviously, I think most of us. Is there anybody here who wants to argue that that was not a dive and he should not have been sent off? No. Okay. That was one of those referees. Oh, I shot, spoil the game by not applying the rules here. Um, but the reason he was in that position is he was booked for dissent earlier mm. in a very, very stupid way. And and this is kind of what 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 gets me, because we've all watched football for a long time. I don't remember too many situations where you know having a large man run at the referee, angrily waving his arms and shouting at him in, in Portuguese, cause a referee to reverse a decision. Mm. So it's just a stupid, <laughs> cheap yellow card. And I think Conte underscored that. Can I ask you guys, the ex-pros here, have you, do, were you booked for dissent? Uh, have you been? Um, yes, I have. Um, I mean, is it ever a rational thing? Is it ever like, you know what, if I can, if I can get the referee to, to, to say, listen, you got it wrong. You made a mistake there. Then, even though maybe he didn't, then maybe he'll give us a makeup call later. Were there some referees where you could do that? Yeah, you, of course you could. Yeah, because they're weak-minded. You, you had certain referees that you might say something to, and he wouldn't give you a card. And no, but you'd, but did you do it so that you could get the call next time? Yeah, well, because this is a weekend where obviously we saw an enormous makeup call in the city game. Yeah, in some ways, but is Costa a little bit out of control when he does it? Oh, Costa is. Um, some footballers are dopey. And Costa comes across to me as dopey when he plays the game because he should have had, in his first two games, he should have had two red cards. No debate at all. His decisions to go and chase... he done exactly the same thing in the first game. He does it in the second game. Now, it's like the player taking off the shirt and running to the fans and then getting a yellow card when they clearly don't care. Costa, for me, on Saturday, he clearly didn't think about West Ham on Monday night when he ran to the referee and got a yellow card. He went and did it exactly... He'd done it again. So what do you do? You can explain to someone once or twice, but you can get a bit bored if they keep doing it. So I can only imagine that Costa's not the smartest. Scoey, were you ever booked for dissent? Um, I think I don't think I was, but I find that hard to believe as well. I'm, I'm trying to, you know... <laughs> Middle middle class lad from Suffolk, mate. I don't. That doesn't happen to me. <laughs> because middle class lad from South London. Because he has respect. <laughs> Look at Harry Arter. He's a clever player. You know, he's a good guy. He's a clever and got yellow for dissent as well that cost his team no, but, so it's not you just can get heated you can get it's not just the stupid heated. players it clearly happens to clever ones as well no, but, which but, is but, you know something as well Julian twice in the yeah. space of a week no, I see what you mean exactly the same things that's bouldering on a bit a bit dopey for me a word on Watford I wasn't 100% convinced by, by Mazzari uh, I'm not convinced by Amrabat who, who started but then I look at this and his 3-5-2 looked pretty good they're adding 
Pereira, who who had an awful season at Juve last year, but I thought was pretty good the year before and, mm. and before that at Udinese. Should they be worried about staying up, Julian? I put them in my, uh, you know, a prediction. I put them going down, but um, but I was I was pleasingly surprised against Chelsea, and and it's just if they can keep that. You bet on Capoue going down. I bet I on Capoue being recalled to I the mean, France now that team. I've seen him scoring a volley with his what half volley on his left foot, even if he. F- it was a bit of a fluke, but you know, he's still top corner volley. He's, like, he's wow, on pace wow. to score 38 goals this season. I know, I know, two in two. Before that, <laughs> yeah. he had one in 57 or something, and that's two in two. Yeah, yeah I was not sure, but I, I, you know, I thought that they, they worked really hard. It's just if they can keep that mentality in the in the not so big games, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and certainly that was, and that was uh, that was an issue also. I think uh, last year mm. after they, you know, they they, they got. Sort of, they almost look like they mailed it in the last two, three months of the season, which yeah. is maybe part of the reason why they changed managers. In our debate this week, obviously the the Olympics are over. It's a big deal where we're taping for here in uh, um, where we're taping from rather uh, here in London because uh, Great Britain did very very well, uh, the second highest medals total. Everybody's happy. There's a column from our colleague Matthew Syed, uh, the columnist of the year, who which. I think ruffled a few feathers. Uh, your pal Gary Lineker sort of got into it with him a little bit on on Twitter. Essentially, he sort of juxtaposes Olympic athletes, and by the way, Syed is a former Olympian, uh, and footballers, suggesting that footballers lack respect. And, and, he, and he cites some examples. Uh, they, they lack sort of common courtesy, and it's obviously not generalizing. Not every footballer, and not every Olympian. There's some pretty nasty Olympians out there too. We've all read the column. Are you pretty much? on board with what he says I mean before I knew you as a footballer you you struck me as a, as a respectful guy did, did you and courteous guy did you feel like you were in the minority among the the ruffians I just think it's blinkered and I think there's a lot of if you, if you die if you go deep into football there's a lot of good people and a lot of good work work going in football it's you people in the press that clouds it all and paints all the footballers and everyone involved to be greedy and this that and the other so no I, I think he was wrong I, I have to say that to, to some degree, just the role of the press, Julian, you and I as, as members of it, we really are a bunch of mischievous prats sometimes. And, and I'll cite an example just from, from late last night. I tweeted something about uh, Frank DeBoer, the, the former IX boss, is the new the new interim manager, and uh, he lost 2-0, and I tweeted something about that. And somebody, a Liverpool fan, came back to me and says, like, oh, and it was something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, it says, well, serves him right because, you know, that teaches him to go and, and criticize Jurgen Klopp's training methods. Why doesn't he look at his own club? So I Googled something, and it turns out that Frank de Boer was asked a question about, you know, taking over Inter Milan, and, and he took over at the beginning of August, so he had missed the first part of preseason. And he said something like, and I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing, I don't want to work them too hard because I wasn't there for the first part of preseason. I don't quite know where they are physically. And I know that, you know, when I like to play at a higher tempo, but I know that when you come in, it can cause problems if you change things around. Look at Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool last year when he came on. He, he, he changed things. They played at a higher tempo straight away and they got a lot of injuries. Now, I know for a fact the reason this was in his head is that he spent a little bit of time with Klopp. This was portrayed in the English media. You can go back and Google it. In, in the Liverpool Echo and elsewhere, as like, you know, De Boer has a go at Klopp, blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm thinking we in the media, when we portray it this way, we always complain about how managers never give straight, honest answers. Well, if I was a football manager, why would I, when some <laughs> prat of an editor 
is going to go and, and turn it into more controversy, more nastiness. It's not surprising then that I become either standoffish or just, you know, hide behind a bunch of platitudes, right, Julian? Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that's that's why the image of football players is is so negative as well in in this country and in in, in other countries mm. as well. You know, tabloids culture doesn't help, and I'm sorry, it's the scrutiny as well over football players. You know, no one cares what Laura Trott or whoever her boyfriend is do you know when they're not competing not really but what Raheem Sterling does when he's not in a football match that everybody cares about and everybody is is waiting to see the latest controversy or this and that and I, I don't think that helps and this again you know we, we're not going to take one example but there was bad things at these Olympics as well like there's 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 bad behaviour from football players at times <laughs> well, like no, the Irish true. boxer who went on an absolute rant about the referees no the, but there's you know the, the American swimmers Lying about you know that you know what they did in that after <laughs> that party. At least they were polite. Yeah, but you know the the the, the Egyptian uh, judoka didn't want to shake the Israelis' hands. You know at the Olympics as well. So it's just Do you generality. Know, I've been on tour with footballers, and like James has. I've also been on tour with journalists. I know what bunch I think are more respectful. Which ones? Footballers. Really? I've seen journalists be worse. I sorry, just, just just to clarify, <laughs> Tony Cascarino, and you you're assuming responsibility for this. Yeah, is not just a That's former a teammate of, but he's good friends with one Edward Sheringham. Is that right? Yeah, AKA yeah. Teddy. Yeah, he's never been bad on tour. I can remember him doing anything that bad. Wasn't that him in the dentist chair? That was nine days before a game. He was told to go out. They were allowed to go out. Okay, That's, that's that was fine. nine days before <laughs> no, a game. No, no, no. That, that's that, respectful that behavior. Is that that bad? I've been with a good few journalists whose behaviour, I would say, has been pretty despicable. Is Matthew Syed one of them? No. No, okay. No, nor were you. I've I've not been out with you, Gab, but I've been on Portugal when you was out there. You were well behaved. Exactly. (laughs) I haven't been with Julianne, but the French boys tend to be very good, don't they? You're good, But there's a good few others, um, especially maybe, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but a few of the Irish Scoey, I want to get, get you on this because you, you obviously disagree with this and you're one of the, you know, you, you brought this up as, as soon as we came on, which is actually why we, we changed the topic of our debate. I'm, I'm asking you both because I think it's fair to say you come from different backgrounds. In fact, you describe yourself differently just now. Uh, Scoey, you, your, uh, uh, you, Scoe, you describe yourself as, as middle class hmm. um, uh, growing up. I, I Cass, jokingly said lower class, but I, I would say... Somewhere in between. Well, in between. Mid- I know, and I know class is a really big thing in this country, so you just want me to get it right. Would you describe your background as working class? Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Okay. Is there some coded language as well in this? or Because in this country, the vast majority of footballers come from working class backgrounds. It's one of those weird and wonderful things about Britain or, or England, I think, more even more so than, than, than Scotland. I don't quite understand it. In my country, they come from all backgrounds. I know in France, they come from all backgrounds. Here, weirdly, if you're... If you're, if you're born rich or if you're born upper middle class, it's really, really difficult for you to become an ex-pro. Unless you happen to be Frank Lampard and your dad was an outstanding footballer himself. Obviously, most Olympians, I, I don't think I'm giving anything away, <laughs> come from middle class backgrounds. Again, not all of them, but many of them do. Certainly more so. Is there some code in this since everything seems to be about class? As Roy K. Smith, our, our former colleague, sadly departed, once said, it's all about class in this country. You know, obviously it helps. I think if if you're going to be a footballer now, you have to forgo your education. You know, I, I coach kids and I see the pressures that they get put under. You're going to leave school at 16. You're going to join a football club. You, you will forgo your education. You're not going to go to Oxford or Cambridge. Let's face it, like like all of you lot did, Gab. 
I didn't. Uh, I think we're really harsh on footballers to put them under this spotlight. And, and as you do as a president, right, who can we pick on today? And, and I think it's a bit of irony, really, that you think, well, I'm going to criticise football, but I work in football. And if footballers are these turn into these holistic kind of people, then all of a sudden there's nothing to write about. So... I find it all a little bit strange, really. And there's so much good work that goes in at clubs. You know, the charities at all these clubs, you know, the school visits that they go out, kick it out racism. I don't see the, the journalists have a big kick it out campaign, or these Olympians do. Do and There's so much good work that goes on in football, and it never really gets picked up on. But all of a sudden, someone runs 10,000 metres, wins a bronze medal, and, oh, my God, you know, we should copy all of these guys. I just, I just don't buy into it. See, that's quite frustrating because... Like James has said, and I'd only echo it, that there are many footballers that do a hell of a lot of good things, mm. and it's never really documented that often. I think most people are, are well aware. Uh, you know, Ashley Cole, for example, mm. is somebody who he's so media shy or was when he was here, but he actually did a lot of uh, did a lot of charitable work, and actually did charitable work. And this is another thing where he showed up. Wayne Rooney donating a million pounds in terms of playing football and writing a check, is certainly admirable. But when you look at the amount of money he's made over his career, is the kind of thing that proportionally a lot of people could be doing. There are other footballers you can mention who actually go and, and donate their time. Craig Bellamy, I think, is, is one. To me, in some ways, that that's even, that's even more valuable than, than, than writing a check. And I think well, Rooney's actually donated his time as well. Do you think if you're your journalist, and if this was the World Cup, you'd do it. If you went and you sort of hid in the bushes of the Olympic Village at 3 o'clock in the morning, you'd be able to write stories about the athletes. The, trust me, there's hundreds of stories that's exactly. happened between the athletes. But, but, yeah, but because no one, in this country especially, it seems that no one cares if they're not football players. Yeah, well, the other thing is, other than, seriously, if I was to ask you who are the three most, leaving aside Andy Murray, by the way, that's another funny thing, he mentions Murray and Del Potro's embrace, but yeah. you can go to YouTube and I <laughs> see Murray going absolutely, absolutely bonkers when, uh, yeah. uh, with Del Potro uh, a few years ago, but which one of these people are actually famous household names to the point where we would care and hide in the bushes over them? Mo Farah, I would assume, hmm. Jessica Ennis, is there anybody else? No. Right, moving on to quick hits. Uh, Manchester City roll over Stoke 4-1. But, Scoey, this game was tighter than the score suggests, in my opinion, anyway. And there was also a very, very obvious makeup call, uh, a penalty not given, and then he goes and penalizes Raheem Sterling. Do you see anything in this City side to suggest that they won't triumphantly march to the title, sweeping away all in their path? It's all about scoring goals, and it goals change games. And I've got players, certainly in Aguero, that can that can do that in an instant. And I do rather think that City will be in a, a title uh, challenge. Definitely will be in a title challenge. Whether they come first or second. What are their weaknesses? The, the changes that are going in a, around the football club. I think there's so much change that's going around. How they play, players coming in. I'm not quite sure the Joe Hart one will will, will um, it could backfire on Pep. Uh, I think Pep's. The way he wants to play, I'm not quite sure he's ready yet to adapt to the Premier League. I think those are the weaknesses. Burnley shock Liverpool 2-0. And Cass, they score early due to two mm. banks of four thing, which mm. some people might call bus parking, but it's cool when Burnley do it. And uh, they see just 19% of the ball. Um, mm. Is this something for which we should praise Deitch or blame Klopp? Mm. Well, based Dyche, because I think going with two up front, uh, Andre Gray, who I've seen from Histon to Luton to Brentford, watched him progress, get, still getting goals at every level. Uh, I thought it was quite brave, but... Uh, well, he always Klopp, does that, though. Yeah, well, I, I I like the way that they 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 will score goals. They had Ings before on Vokes, and Ings got goals. So I think it will give Burnley a chance. Klopp 
plays the way he wanted to. I thought Sturridge's selection was a strange one because Daniel just doesn't look the same player to me, which is going to be a bigger problem for Liverpool. Lauren Koscielny is back in central defence and Arsenal keep a clean sheet against the Premier League champions. Or Leicester, of course. Julian, some people say this team is still incomplete. Do you think Wenger will sign somebody? And uh, can you comment on the holding didn't cost £55 million comment? Uh, I... I actually had a lot of sympathy for those who didn't who didn't hear this. He was asked about his spending as ever, and, and he came out and he says, "Well, we signed Holding, and he's young, and he's talented, and he's twenty years old, and he's English, and I'm sorry he didn't cost fifty five million pounds." I saw that as kind of like a veiled thing that saying that like you know what, just because you throw money at a player, we've seen so much overspending, so much goofiness with transfer fees and valuations. There's nothing wrong with with Holding being your, your fourth centre-back. No, and I think he was just uh, highlighting once again the fact that he doesn't need money to, to buy talented players, but I'm sure he said the centre-back Callum Chambers and we, we, we can see now where Callum Chambers... Callum Chambers cost a lot of money. More, yeah, far more money <laughs> Maybe than Holding. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Although Holding, I thought, looked good on, on, uh, on Saturday at Leicester. Anyway, I think I still expect him to sign it a centre-half. Why? Because because I still think holding is not ready, and if Gabriel is is out for maybe longer than you know than than what Wenger said with Matisaka, you know, being a long term injury as well, I, I I think they can do with someone else. I don't think he's going to buy a striker he because five, it's too late. It's five because six he, if you count Chambers. Yeah, but I think Chambers is is is. You know, maybe more of a right back than the centre half. Actually, speaking of Leicester City, there were two weirdo decisions in that game. Mark Clattenburg did not show a second yellow to Francis Coughlin for repeatedly hacking Riyad Mahrez relentlessly, and he didn't give a penalty for the Hector Bellerin on Ahmed Musa tangle. Um, both look to me like obvious big decisions that cost Leicester two points. You with me, Scully? Yeah, I am with you, and I agree. I think definitely there was a penalty on Musa at the end. Uh, just can't see. It, it, it gets wrong side. You know, clips his ankles, and it does cost Leicester two points. Um, you know, big two points as well. So very, very strange. Also, there was a sending off as well that he missed. So Mr. Clattenburg, you know, maybe one, one, two, one tattoo too many for me. I wish sometimes when people look at Clattenburg and we be reminded he's the greatest referee in the world, blah blah blah, as the English media keep telling us, but. Why not just say he had a bad game rather than twist yourself into not saying like justifications? Well, he likes to manage the situations. He didn't want to spoil the game by sending off Coughlin. He did see the foul. Just apply the freaking rules. Victor Wanyama gave uh, Spurs all three points against Crystal Palace, but it was neither easy nor straightforward. Mm. Cass, how do you see them? And what do you make of Vincent Janssen with Harry Kane in behind? Mm. Harry Kane says he likes it, but then again... Harry Kane <laughs> likes everything. In fact, we should send Harry Kane over to meet Matthew Syed. Yeah. I prefer Harry more central, more dynamic, and being on the shoulder of defenders. Which means I you like. prefer Vincent Janssen yeah. on the bench. Well, <laughs> Vincent Janssen is coming. I, I don't I don't think he's quite quick enough. Not that Harry's exceptionally quick. I think Harry's a strong runner. I, I quite like the idea of two of them, but I, I'm not sure, sure he can play the deeper role like my old mate again who's the famous number 10 uh, did for Tottenham so I think it's a role that that would be Teddy Sheringham so I think it's a role he can do uh, but I don't know how well he can do it look Harry's a fine forward and he'll get goals for Tottenham on a regular basis but I prefer him just on the shoulders of people and by the way it was lovely to see him head down for Wamiyama from a corner instead of taking the corner for Tottenham stop it that's not that's not nice um well, also, if he plays behind, then you know I, I think you want to find you want to put Deli Ali in the yeah. best yeah. position nice. uh, as well. No team in the Premier League has more points than Hull City. So, Julian, should they just appoint Mike Phelan, or should they try and get 
a real manager. I don't mean it in a disrespectful you way do. towards Mike Phelan, but we spent all this time earlier talking about you know recruitment and whatever. This guy's obviously been around forever. For those who don't know, he was Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, assistant for, for, for a long time. Should they maybe make him head coach and then get, bring in somebody on the recruitment side, or should they just hand the whole kit and caboodle to them? Does it even matter because this team's going to be sold, presumably, <laughs> in the next 30 days? Yeah, it's a bit of a mess, but he's doing a great job. You have to give him that, you know, especially in in the context again of the club being sold uh, having only 13 senior players available they can't recruit anyone while well, they're trying but they're not signing anyone yet um, so just for that I think he deserves the job and, and see where, where he can take that team because clearly the players have faith in him they, they, they you know they he you know he, he has that respect and they're confident they're playing well I thought they played really well at the weekend again so why not him? Do you know what would be awesome? It would be awesome if Sir Alex Ferguson Bought, bought Hull City and made Mike Phelan head coach. Because Cass can read. Gav, I've got one for you then. Gonzalo Higuain made his debut for Juventus and scored this weekend. You wrote about it eloquently in the game today. A sign of things to come? Well, I think what tricks me most about Higuain and, and Juventus is that they really are all in. I, I don't think this move, spending all this money, uh, he's the fourth most expensive footballer of all time. He turns 29 later this season. Only one player in history in the top 20 biggest transfers was older than Iwain, and that would be Zinedine Zidane, who, you know, to paraphrase Lloyd Benson, he's now Zinedine Zidane. Um, <laughs> but the way they look at it, they've got a lot of players over the age of 30. They've Obviously, they've added Danny Alves. Uh, they've got the back three. They've got the keeper. Claudio Marquisio's also just turned 30. So they say, we want to win here and now. We want to win the Champions League. We're going to push out the boat for it. They've obviously added Miralem Pjanic um, uh, as well, uh, Marco Piaka. So it's nice, actually, in some ways, to look at a team saying, like, let's just screw this building for the future. You know, otherwise, you just keep building for the future. Let's go and do this right now. Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many thanks to my guest today, the excellent Julian Lawrence, James Scowcroft, who I can reassure Sir Alex Ferguson will not be buying Whole City, to my knowledge, and Tony Cascarino. Remember, it's just £12 for a 12-week trial. If you want to subscribe to The Times, you also get The Sunday Times and the excellent Jonathan Northcroft. On a different day, we would we would have talked more about his uh, his great story about uh, Liverpool's takeover by the, the Chinese consortium. Uh, the reason we didn't talk about it today, since everybody's wondering, uh, is that there isn't much to talk about that we don't know much more than what was in the story. Uh, and of course, Liverpool are also denying it, saying the club's not for sale. But if it does happen, of course, uh, we will discuss it. You can search The Times online. You'll find us. Uh, and also remember, please press that subscribe button um, wherever you choose to download your podcast. We're going to be back next week. And that little ping you heard, why? That's Tony Cascarino receiving a text in real time. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.